0: white everywhere. See <laughs> so funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. Alright mm-hmm. dude, we're up. First episode ever of Max White's Presents. Uh, today we got a very special guest, Brandon Scott Wolf. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. This is the first episode. This is the one I ever done. We just started this. We did the one last week, and uh, I was like, why don't I just do my own? I'm sick of going all the way to different places to do it. And so now we're coming at you from the Tender Trap in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, punk rock bar,
1: with the best smell in all of New York City. It's a good smell. I like the smell. When when I walked in here, you were like, how about that smell? And I was like, it's a good smell. And then you made a face, and you were like, eh. Nah. like, do you like the smell? I do, but the things that I like in my life aren't necessarily
0: something that everybody likes. So I'm used to kind of like, well, I like it. You know, I'm like, like, if
1: things are all going really bad, generally, I'm like, this is kind of fun. We'll remember it this way. That's just, I'm kind of a weird person. I feel like that's just life in general. I feel like everyone has, like, three things that they like, and then they're scared to share them with other people who they don't know that well, because, like, it's too much of an inside look into a, your own life. That could very well be. I'm just like, do you guys know what I love more than anything? Dank bar smell. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot. I, I like the smell of gasoline. That's one really? of my three. I like uh, comedy. I like uh, watching professional wrestling, and I just like smelling gasoline. That's my my uh, inside look into who I am. I feel like you're not the only fan of pro wrestling that likes to smell gasoline. Most pro wrestling fans like gasoline. They drink it, they smell it, they bathe in it. You know, it's it's one and the same.
0: All right. So you in guys fact, all come- I
1: should come up with a third thing. I'm sorry. Uh, let me rack my brain. Maybe art. I like art. I think art museums are nice. Go to the Guggenheim, uh, the Met.
0: Whatever or the Tender Trap we're surrounded by this amazing super chief art and uh, UFO the 907 see the UFO You'll start noticing them all around the city, but UFO is a group of graffiti artists uh, Sorry, the they have a number that identifies them. It's I don't a, even know to get them in trouble but, It's uh, a
1: really cool space here at the tender trap. There is a lot of great art. There's a nice stage here I will say your podcast i would love it if it just became a plug for the tender trap and that's all it is you get people to check out this great bar and then you talk about it for roughly an hour and you're like yeah i like the tender trap Uh, i bring my friends here i was offered a podcast yeah i think i'm like a really good mobile yeah i just realized i I just said your
0: name but i didn't even say what you do you're a comedian that's how i met you a stand-up comic here in new york a tv writer Right, big writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do you do, what, other
1: than pro wrestling and huffing gasoline? Any big... I mean, what do I do? I, uh, I feel like it's very weird to call myself anything but a comedian. And that's, that's even a strange sentence to say out loud, but like, what, what do I do? I, I do a lot of art pieces. That's that's what people have told me that I do. I do things that aren't necessarily comedy. Okay. Give me an example
0: of, like, so you're gonna mention right now, like your your knack for making amazing viral.
1: Yeah, media. I, I I've I've made uh, DateBrandonScottWolf.com, which is the number one online dating site for me, Brandon Scott Wolf, and I've also made FightBrandonScottWolf.com, which is the number one online fighting site for Brandon Scott Wolf, and both of those have been written up. Both both of those have. Uh, Appeared in places like Mashable, MTV News, The New York Times, all sorts of uh, different. You got in Maxim places. for the fight one, didn't you? I got in GQ. GQ, that's better than Maxim. I'm still I'm still waiting on Maxim. I, I don't do think people they, still read they heard about me. I think they do. I think I think Maxim is an important uh, an important uh, publication because it's not quite Playboy. Yeah. But it's something. It's like a, it's arousing.
0: There's something. Yeah, bad. it's yeah. like
1: what you read before you're given Playboy. It's like the the trigger warning. Hey, check out what we got. Let's put it on the top of the stack in a bathroom. You ever walk into a bathroom and they just have porno magazines? Yeah, like for sure. Are people are people jerking off in this bathroom?
0: I don't know. I think that people do that. It's like a. It's maybe it's like a little bit overcompensating. I feel like it's like yeah, dude, I've got porn everywhere. Like really?
1: I don't know. It's uh. I think it's just a luxury at this point because no one is buying porn. I like uh, that. I actually actually like just that.
0: just shipped a couple skateboards to some of my friends that are marines and I always send them care packages and I was like I'm going to go to the store and buy them some good old fashioned pornography in the form of magazines. 29.95 for, for what? An, an issue of Swank swank
1: swank you heard of swank before? i swank. swank swank i'm familiar with swank swank jugs i have so it I in my say. bathroom i got a stack of these magazines and then on top there's a maxim and i'm like who wants to jerk off come to my yeah. apartment got i got that. i got this great bathroom full of a uh, spank swank
0: it it, it's, it ranges from white belt pornography which is maxim to all the way black belt which i
1: believe is swank see i don't think maxim is pornography well i mean what, what oh yeah i guess it's not Every, I mean, everyone's wearing clothes I wonder what like what's the limit of like what what becomes pornography like is I it, like think once the nipple mapping. makes an appearance I think that's ah. a classic line from Seinfeld. Oh wow! Once the nipple makes an appearance, then it's pornography. Then it's, but is that only for women? Because yeah, if a on. man is shirtless, is that pornography? I would say no. I would say I just think, I, porn
0: to me, it doesn't do anything other than it's just pure entertainment. Like it's just so. I'm, every time I see porno, I'm thinking. And this is all I'm thinking is, wow, those people are at work right now. Oh, I, the,
1: the life of a porn star, it must be just horrendous. I can't... There has to be a handful of porn stars who are, like, really going after becoming a star. Like yeah. Like, the, the star part of the porn star. And then there's there's got to be uh, porn stars out there who are just like, this is my job, whatever, I don't care. But, like, some of them have, like, a very sharp business instinct, a good mind. They're going to all these festivals. They're they're coming up with all these toys that they're putting their name on. They're selling their name. Not just their, their name, their, their everything. They're like anatomical features. That yeah, all, all are of molded
0: that. to. Like Jenna Jameson, didn't she put like 10 years of her career and now she's multi, multi-millionaire,
1: doesn't even do it anymore. I'm sure. I bet she's producing. I bet yeah I I I think the most interesting thing of all of entertainment is when someone knows it's not my time to be in the spotlight anymore. I'm gonna help others out, and then when you start helping others out and producing, and you're still making money, that's it blows me away. Could you see yourself doing like that eventually? Or In will time, you always be creating. I, I think I think a lot of uh, comedy is, is different when it comes to that because you you can stop at a certain point and like help the next generation. You can you know direct. You can continue to write that sort of stuff, but. You see people performing well into their sixties, seventies, eighties, like Don Rickles. Don yeah. Rickles, killing he, it. He's eighty something and he's still doing shows in Atlantic City on a monthly basis, weekly basis. I'm not sure what his tour schedule is like or I, his show schedule is like, but I can't imagine that that guy's been doing it for since he was like eighteen, right? I think he's been doing it since he's been a teenager. It's, it's really impressive to wow. to be that old and still that sharp and selling out small theaters, large theaters, any kind of theaters. If you're selling out a theater, you're doing fine. I don't care what age you are. Do you think he uh, goes to open mics ever randomly just never. shows up? No. That man, he would
0: never do it. And if he did, he would roast everyone. It would be amazing. You know if he how? just showed up in the village and just started
1: roasting everybody and they gave him a light and Pe- he was like, People would be you. blown away. It would be so amazing. Do you think a lot of the comics who, who are in their 20s their 30s, they, they know a lot about comedy from... 50 40 years ago man i don't think so
0: i think uh, it just depends on what area you're in though but it's like it it seems like it's regionally it's a it's regional because if you're like in seattle it seems like mitch Hedberg, like the pacific northwest you're gonna
1: like a lot of mitch Hedberg talk but then prior to that because he is there he's our big shot he's our guy that we look to and say this is our comedy prophet this is someone who is almost like a god to us yeah it's like the kurt cobain of that area like you know i mean
0: it's it's that's who they identify with that's where the art kind of came funneling through and mm-hmm. then but i always wondered that because he's relatively young if he were still alive and uh he would probably be what mid 40s right I think now so. yeah somewhere around there because when did he how long how old was he? was he 27 when he died was he one of those i don't think he
1: was in the 27 club but i think he was somewhere around there
0: yeah that's weird to think about because when i was i mean there's signs like every comedy club i saw in seattle and every the two i went to and then a bunch of their shows all had photos of him up there i mean the guys obviously goes without saying it's incredible what he does but uh in LA, you know, he—I'm sure he worked in LA, LA a lot as well as New York too. But it's just interesting to see that like one person can identify an entire area, or represent it. But you're from—you're from Philadelphia originally. Is there anyone like that that you think of that way? I can oh, think of huge yeah, Philly there, comics. There's
1: a there's a couple Philly comics, uh, Bill Cosby, yeah. who obviously is not a good person. Uh, he was for the longest time seen as Philadelphia's comic. Yeah. He was the guy that you look to. He was he was America's comic. He was the world's comic. He was the biggest comic. He was Jerry Seinfeld before Jerry Seinfeld had Seinfeld. And he would do two and a half hour straight through, no intermission. Did you ever hear that in that Justin, documentary? Incredible, amazing talent. He had the biggest sitcom out there. I believe he was one of the biggest influences on. Probably, I, I don't know the last twenty-five years for for comedy. One of the for for everyone. You you, you see you see uh, anyone from Seinfeld to Judd Apatow to whoever, and they're all talking about Bill Cosby still. Uh, Key and Peele. Yeah, I mean in the black community, I can't speak for the black community. Yeah. Obviously, I am a white person, but he was the person that you look at and you go, he made it. He did it. He is. Our guy.
0: That's so weird to have a ceiling like that. Like this guy did it and not even just like the comedy side or the acting side, but he was one of the first to bring in brands to like sponsor him, you know, like putting all that. Oh yeah. He was
1: Jell-O pudding for years. Yeah. And
0: he brought in like revenue from outside of just doing standard club and theater and acting roles. And then now that ceiling being there and being shattered now, it's gotta be a lot of people. I mean, I know there's a comic I can think of Floyd J Phillips from where I'm from in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Who like is he the Jello guy now? He talks about how he lost a hero, and he's like a I want to say Floyd's in his 40s. He's gonna beat me up. I don't know how actually old he is. I don't think anybody does. He's an older guy. It's true though. Yeah,
1: fact, Bill Cosby was a hero for so many people, and then allegation after allegation after allegation was you know coming up. Then you know Hannibal at uh, in, in Philadelphia, um, he he was at the truck, I believe, and there was a video that went. On YouTube, and he was like, "Just look it up," and like that was like the punchline to his joke. I don't even know if that was a joke, but he was like, "Yeah, it's been happening." Yeah, he you seemed, guys don't know this.
0: I remember hearing like his version of it, and he was like, "I didn't even out him. I just said look at it online. It's everywhere. Google it," and then it just went boom, like all over. It's weird how one thing can
1: carry. I think we live in a very strange world where. Everyone wants to go viral, that's, that's yeah, the new sure. thing. You can't get a manager or an agent or a look in the industry without going viral. And you need to have some buzz behind you or whatever it is, and whether it's good or bad news, if someone says something like that and like it shoots up the Reddit charts, that, that to me is, I don't even know where I'm going with this to be honest, like it's just crazy to me that like things can be out there and say, say, for instance, uh, fightbrandonscottwolf.com. Yeah. It did all right, but it wasn't, like, something that everyone was talking about online. It's a thing that's been online, what, two years? If someone like Hannibal mentioned it and people decided to look into it and it went, like, number one on Reddit because of that, that's, like, a life changer. For sure. Absolutely. Positive or negative. How many people—OK, okay, so just explain date Wolf. DateBrandonScottWolf.com is a website where it is a dating site, and I'm the only profile visible on it. So, <laughs> it went it went viral. It had a couple hundred thousand views on the website. And the people could get on that website, and they can make a profile to date you. Yeah, yep. right? And how many? I actually checked it today. There were three or four new profiles that people submitted in the last like week or two. How many does that make total? I have no clue. Over a thousand. Over at a thousand point, people yeah. signed up to date you. Which honestly, because there are joke ones in there and some earnest ones yeah. and whatnot. Honestly, it's very sad when you think about the numbers. If say conservatively five hundred thousand people saw this website and only a thousand applied. I don't know though, man. That's
0: impressive. The people that they took the time to make a profile on a site that they know isn't actually
1: it was a joke site yeah Yeah. one person i actually uh looked into who the person was yeah um we ended up having like 200 mutual friends on facebook she submitted a profile and i think she's like a grad student in philadelphia who does comedy stuff oh wow so i'm like oh cool this is still being passed around somehow did you date anybody off of that i've never gone on a date with someone just based off of a profile that was submitted Okay. But I have met people at shows when I talk about it that have, like, created profiles, and they're like, hey, when are we going out? Or I, like, met people through friends of friends or wherever, and then they'll message me on the website and be like, do you want to go on another date? And I'm like, we didn't go on a first date, but yeah, let's go and hang out. And so I hang out. That's We go on dates, that sort of stuff. And, I mean, people have applied, and it seems like they would like to go on dates with me, because I made the site as a joke. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Entirely as a joke. And uh, I, don't, I don't know where any of the people live. I mean, within the last six months, I added a feature that was like, are you in New York City? Cause that was not a part of the original free online questionnaire. Yeah, for sure. And so now I'm getting stuff that are like, I am in New York City or I'm not in New York City. But even at that point, I'm like, this site's been up for like two years. I haven't used it. Why should I start using it now? It'd be so funny. There's just like
0: two years later, you start going through every single application that's been on there. Can you imagine how much money you would spend on coffee and dates? I would, I would lose my mind. It would be crazy. To, is,
1: it, is it primarily female? There's males on there primarily too? Primarily female. I mean, on the video, so I'm a straight white male yeah. uh, for those listening. On, on the, the video that's embedded on the homepage, I essentially leave it ambiguous. Okay. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for someone to date. This is what I want. This is what I can provide. And that's that. I'm not like, I'm looking for my dream woman. I'm yeah. looking for a wife, nothing that specific. And then there's a secondary page that's like about the site, about Brandon. And it's a little description about me. And then it says, I've been on OKCupid, okay Match.com, Tinder, Grinder, Thrinder, Farmers Only, Christian Mingle, and like a couple that I made up myself. Yeah. And people like, I remember I went on a, have I ever told you this? I went on a, uh, a radio show on Sirius XM. And the second the show started, they played a clip of my, my video where it's like, hi, I'm Brandon Scott Wolf. I'm looking for blah, 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 blah. I'm the founder of datebrandonscottwolf.com. And the second that stopped, the host was like, we're with Brandon Scott Wolf today. Uh, Brandon, you're the founder of your own online dating website. You are so pathetic. (laughs) You are a a pathetic loser. And I was like, what is happening? And for a second, I just took all these insults in. And I was like, I'm a comedian. Do you realize this is a comedy website? And then the host was like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. I, I just thought that you were a regular guy. That, I, that's a booking issue on my end. And then we just talked about comedy for roughly an hour. Wow. Was he real nice to you after that? He was super nice. But it went from like, hey, because like, could you imagine if someone made their own dating site and it was like earnest? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's very sad when you, when you got to be out there. I I mean, from what I hear, they are out there Yeah, yeah. because I know the Guardian, that publication they wrote up about, uh, they wrote an article about this girl. I think she was in San Francisco and she was like, I'm really trying to find a boyfriend. I'm 28 or 29 and I'm trying to find love. And then they were like, here are some other online dating sites that are just for one or two individuals, whatever it is. And then mine was listed and then there were like two or three other, but like... None of them were as well put together as Jay Brandon Scott Wolf.com. For sure. Mine was the only one with like a video that was like, a, hey, I'm honestly pitching this to you. And uh, mine was the only one with like straight up jokes. And from the serious guy's standpoint, from the person that interviewed you, could you imagine them? Because he just gets handed
0: things to interview basically. And he's right. like, who is this asshole? And he had no idea. But then he
1: found out you're a comic and then he, he turned to be a nice guy. So that guy, he, he was great to talk with. I mean, if you have a serious XM show, you need to have a point of view pretty much and his point of view was like i'm going to talk to this person this loser this weirdo this sad sack for an hour about how he needs to fix his life maybe he was going to give me a motivational speech and he was just going to start off with tough love that's funny that could be it be like hey you're an idiot no one likes you you're never going to find love unless you double down on dating people in real life he was also a guy who was in his late fifties or sixties. And so I don't think okay. he ever used online dating. He's probably in the mindset where it's taboo. And so it must be very weird. It must be so weird for him to be like, Oh, now there are people making their own online dating websites. And especially if you're new to the landscape or maybe just too old for the landscape, or you don't, if you've
0: settled down already, it doesn't really matter what you've done, but you're older and you're seeing these new online dating. It's like people that thought the internet was going to be a fat Right, And if you just saw that, it's like people now that, you know, like the older, we were t- I was talking about to say with another friend, you know, back in the day, you go to college, you put your time in, you get a job, you buy, you know, a house and then a nice lake house in a few years, and then you're done have kids and rinse and repeat basically. But now it's so different that you know, this older generation doesn't even understand freelance or what people like us do. Imagine this guy with dating. I can't imagine. Are, are you other are certain sites that you do Do you still do like the ok cupids and the harmonies and things like that? Have you done them before? No, I'm not on any of those
1: sites. I actually Beforehand I was on tinder mm-hmm. and I went on a handful of tinder dates and then Nothing, I just know all of my friends. They they are frustrated with online dating. They're like, oh I'm never gonna meet anyone or some people are like I can't believe I did meet someone this is a shock to me, but like it's not weird anymore to do online dating. No, there used to be a stigma for sure and now there's not. I mean, it, right? somehow Tinder and Bumble
0: seem to be watered down versions of online dating because if you're like, I, in my mind, people are like, oh, I'm on eHarmony and you're like, you poor pathetic soul. But now it's like, I'm on Tinder, it's the exact same thing. It's, it's just because an, it's app. an app.
1: It's an yeah. app. It's less, it's, there's less of a stigma of swiping right and swiping left, then I'm gonna put my heart and soul into this and actually try and find someone who I click with. Does that speak to how superficial we are as people, or does that speak? Is it just something about convenience that makes it? Less- We're lazy. People are lazy, and I think a lot of it has to do with that. Uh, I, if I'm in a place in life right now, I'm like, if I find the right girl for me. Okay. I would continue to date and go on lots of dates and, you know... With her or somebody else? Her. Okay. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, I uh, with, with one person. Okay. Um, and, like, I'm looking, but I'm not. Does that make sense? Where I'm like, sure, I'll go on date. Sure, I'll do this. Sure, I'll do that. But, like, I don't want to put all of my... You know time and effort into finding someone on eHarmony or match.com, especially when you're in New York. I mean, one city
0: block here is effectively 1,000 pages of eHarmony, and they have apps where
1: you just kind of walk around. What is it like? Uh, I don't know this, what is happen if, if you happen to be in the I same area that, or on can, the same block, and you, you can, can cross past, past just like, Oh, you're over there, I'm on this side of the street, let's go out for coffee. Have you ever done Miss Connections before? Have you ever read those on Craigslist? I've read those, I've seen those. Um, sometimes you know you see a beautiful person out in public you generally don't talk to the people in public that sort of stuff I'm like no one's going on misconnections I'll never have a misconnection that's craziness
0: it's such a treasure uh, to just to read those things I years ago I made one a fake one for my friend Hans in Chicago And I put on there, like, I wrote it from a girl's standpoint, and he worked at a salon and lived next to it in downtown, like on the Gold Coast in Chicago. Oh, did you prank him into thinking that a beautiful woman... Yeah, that I was a barista at Starbucks down there, and I would just see him every day walking to, like, work, which... What year was this? Probably three or four years ago, maybe three
1: years ago. Okay, so you're not the original catfish, but you're just catfishing. No,
0: yeah, but I would do it, like, with an emotional roller coaster. I would say, like, you have such impeccable style, which is hard for a short guy to pull off. Wow. And then I got the girls, that, the salon he worked at, uh, to kind of be in on it. And be like, do you see this misconnection? It's crazy. It's in this neighborhood. And then he saw it, and he was like, dude, she keeps talking about my different like leather jackets and stuff like that. And it went on for like over a month. It was pretty incredible.
1: Were you watching him have like a nervous breakdown?
0: No, it's weird, because he's one of those guys that's, uh, he's very, he's a good-looking guy. You know, he's one of those guys you can just fully admit he's, he's a good-looking guy. So I think he's kind of, I don't want to say used to it, and I don't think he's used to anyone going online and like trying to find him. But it wasn't that big of a deal up until it was like a daily documented thing. I don't think I updated it daily, but I would put it probably once every four or five days. And he knows it was you. You eventually... And the only reason he found out is like four months later. But because, he found out that it was you. Yeah, but way okay. after we were done doing so it. So we're
1: not breaking some weird news no, right no, now.
0: No, no. Well, I don't know. I think he... I'm pretty sure he found out. I don't remember. We have a lot of weird things going on like that. But they... Uh, No, he definitely did because I think we were talking about it, and some girls like yeah, like that one time Max made the misconnections for you. He's like, "What are you talking about?" Because I I think it was better to kind of let it ride out. He won't admit it, but I'm pretty sure he was like,
1: "Man, I wonder what happened to that girl." I mean, it has to be weird. I mean, if he's if he's a handsome guy though, I'm sure he's going out quite a bit with people. Yeah, that. But like, from his point of view, I'd be more weirded out that like someone's documenting this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, it, from my standpoint of writing it, it was full-on
0: stalkerish. I mean, she would yeah, admit who she was and tried to get him in. It was always, like I said, emotional rollercoaster,
1: so it was a compliment followed by an insult. While you were doing this, uh, were you at all thinking, like, this could hurt my friend's feelings, or was it from, like, a point of view where you're just like, this could hurt my friend's feelings? I would say the latter in both. Like, we were, it's, uh, he... It, I do have friends that are, like, he would i do stuff like yeah. this to them they do stuff like this to me it's like bits almost yeah. but like they're mean-spirited for sure i'm usually on the receiving end of these bits i want to say really I, like i feel like my closest
0: friends are it's it's pretty hostile waters if you saw it from outside the group but it's like, you guys friends or are you guys yeah enemies? Definitely.
1: Who, is, who who is this
0: yeah I do mean, you have enemies Not particularly. I don't think so. I mean, I'm definitely, I've been described as like love or hate before. Yeah. And when I was younger, I kind of used to like lean into that, but I think now I just don't want the drama of
1: any... I don't think I've ever met a person that was like, Max White, I don't like that guy. Yeah. Usually people just like you, or they just say like a nice thing, like, oh yeah, he was friendly, or like, oh yeah, I I had a beer with him, he was a good guy. I don't know, I think maybe it's, uh, also too, I mean, with the landscape of
0: like how we met and everything between comedy, like we're all performers, especially here, we're all performing like multiple times a night. And then we're kind of all meeting in that capacity. I have no clue how we met. Uh, we met <laughs> at Bushwick. Actually, at the guys that have a show here now, the Bushwick Bears, Jericho and Graham, right, we met the right. show there. And uh, it was like the first week I think I moved here. Was but, in January. but we talked like months later as well. I think we, then we were on another show. No UCB because you hosted UCB, UCB. And I was doing was. the open mic, and then you came up to me after that, or we talked after that one. That makes
1: sense. That's yeah. usually how I meet uh, comics who are moving here, just at the UCB mic, because yeah. like I feel I feel like when people come to a new city, they want to find like the best open mic and not necessarily that like UCB has the best open mic but it's the UCB name that draws new people in
0: I think it's up there as one of the best in the city As someone who does open mics every single day like as well as shows I I really believe that and people are like well you only is it two or three minutes it's two to three so you get two to three minutes and like oh you only two to three minutes like if you can't get last in two to three minutes I've never understood
1: what makes you think you can get them in five I think one of the most difficult things to do though is to perform well at an open mic for sure i think that's harder than any book show yeah i think that's harder than any any show you'll see at a, a comedy club it's a showcase anything that you'll see that's a traditional mc feature headliner i, I just think if you're like twelfth in a lineup of like say 20 open mic comedians yep that's a nightmare it's tough to
0: stand out i mean for sure but i think it's people that use open mics if you're using an open mic is like man I hope someone sees me that's important, like I hope Brandon Scott Wolf's in the crowd and he's
1: going to see my set come up to me and so, be like to a weird extent though I know you're saying like that should not happen yeah if there are comics there that you are fans of or you like their work or you want to become friendlier with them the open mic is the place to do it no I was gonna say
0: though because after my first set at UCB you and Paul Odo came up to me and they were like you're like oh and I think Paul was like you know interested in hosting some time like we really enjoyed your stuff and then that's how I kind of made the I built the rapport with Paul and then as well as you so I think it is out there
1: if you, you know, I just think that those things happen when you never expect them to. Do you know what, I, what think, I mean? I think the best part about open mics, and this is my, just my opinion about comedy uh, in general, just getting off the ground and whatnot and yeah. getting a lay of the land, learning who's in the scene, things like that. Um, it's making friends for sure i think a lot of it is not what you do on the stage but what you do before the mic after the mic if you're present and you 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 pay attention to the other comics and things like that because there are so many people who just like look at their notebooks at open mics or during shows and they do their spot and they leave but like the people that i see doing really well in new york city comedy or whatever scene you're in is you know it, it's the it's the guy or or, or or the girl who who hangs out after at the bar and is like hey do you guys want to like grab a drink real quick and sure. talk about comedy
0: it's like anything i mean it, it's the thing you're doing is generally the easiest part it's just about not being a dick and yeah. you know also like and i think but it's not also saying like just hang out and try to like network i think if you're genuine you enjoy comedy enjoy many people which both things i'm a huge fan of things happen like that but dude people do come in all the time and I've, you know, I've definitely fallen prey, you know, where you're trying to help people out that come from out of town and like, Oh, I've got some friends that have shows. I don't say fallen prey, but just trying to be nice and accommodating. And then you you know, it goes down and you're like, that's not the right way to do it. You know, they're, they're, you know, you'll bring them to a show and they'll be like, Hey man, can I get on this? And they just walked in. They've never been there before.
1: Yeah. Or, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of, I don't know if it's like a respect thing, but in comedy in general, like. I've never... I don't think I've ever walked into a venue and be like, can you put me on stage right now? That's exactly how I feel too. But they're out there. And I'm sure you host shows. There's a lot of people. Yeah, Yeah, people come up to me when I'm hosting a show or producing a show. Yeah, And like it'll be during a person's set. And they'll just start talking loudly and be like, hey, can I get up at the end? Or can I get up after this person? And I'm like, "I, I don't... I book this like once a month, and it's booked for three or four months. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Well, can I can I get on tonight? I'm here, and I'm like, I we where, don't have time. Where you're from? Is it the open mic? Well, because you started in comedy about Penn State. Yeah, I started when I was in college in uh, State College, Pennsylvania. So I was actually hosting shows out of my apartment.
0: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. yeah so like, just started. private parties, and they're just like not private parties, but house parties essentially with
1: comedy. Yeah, shows. I was a junior in college. Um, when I started really going for it. Yeah. Um, I was a sophomore when I started doing stand-up, but there weren't enough places for me to get up in town and I couldn't go to bars because I was only 19. Yeah. And so when my junior year rolled around, I bought a banner uh, that said second floor standup because I um, was living on the second floor of an apartment building in downtown State College where okay. Penn State is. And then I got mic equipment and a stool and I was like, let's just host some shows and uh had friends in classes that were like i'd like to try stand-up comedy and i was like all right come over to my apartment bring bring a friend if you want or not i'm gonna have some beer bring some beer if you want or not those we're are just like gonna my hang out. favorite
0: shows still to this day are like house shows like that i think that's what people ask me what do you guys see in terms of the future not that i can see future of comedy it's not gonna be the whole thing of it but i think there's like
1: small niche house shows are i mean have you done well, you know, you just did one. I've of done recently. a lot of. I've done a lot of house shows. I I just did a show in a field in Pennsylvania that was technically a house show.
0: Well, it I, was Tell uh, me more
1: about that. What's? It was. I was. I was recommended uh, to go to Susquehanna, Pennsylvania, which is right on the uh, edge of New York State. Okay. And so it's like Susquehanna Binghamton area, and I got to headline. I did about 30, 45 minutes in a field. It was about 55, 50 degrees outside. And I was, uh, I, I was having a lot of fun with it. It sounds we were, awesome. We were underneath the stars. Uh, so I started by telling everyone to just like, look up and be like, you guys live in a planetarium. <laughs> and they, they do. It's amazing. There's no light pollution. It's not like New York City at all. The air is crisp. Uh, pe- people are just you know, ready to laugh. Did I mean, they have a stage or were you on the... I was on grass, just on the ground. That sounds uh, amazing. It was kind of like an Adam Devine's house party setup. Yeah, because yeah, we, sure. we were in a backyard in front of an antique shop that was on the side of uh, a, like a state highway kind of road. Wow. And so like the closest neighbor was maybe a mile away on like another farm. And so there was an antique shop behind me and then they had string lights set up that were like acted as my backdrop. Yeah. And so no one in the audience knew what Adam Devine's house party was, but I, you know, I was still talking about it. I was like, this is what this feels like. Oh, you guys man, don't understand be- what I'm saying. I'll get into jokes real quick. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's begin. And it was good. I, I got to stretch my legs a little. Because in New York, you do have the two-minute open mics. You have five to 10-minute show slots. You're on showcases. And if you're given 30 minutes or 45 minutes to headline, you can kind of just kind of riff. It's amazing to longer spot, too. Be yourself. And, and yeah.
0: The, well, I, saw, I went and saw your hour at Caroline's, mm-hmm. which was, did you do an hour that was a 60? I did close to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, I mean, amazing. But in terms of stretching legs wise, when not ever having a chance to do
1: that. Was that tough for you to go into the full hour? It wasn't tough. There, there was a, So, so I always do like the five to 10 to 15 minute spot area. And you know, I've gotten a few opportunities as of late to do 30 minutes or 45 minutes here and there. And I do a lot of riffing with that even because like you know you do a lot of one-liners, you've set up punchline jokes and not all of them are going to flow. So it's about setting up that rhythm of oh what goes into what goes into what and if I said this joke earlier, can I say it now or does that affect how the audience would perceive me? So if I do a joke about like how my mom is uh, making fun of me. I can't do a joke about how she's a good person, yeah. you know, after I, you, sh- you know, you should flip flop them or whatever the case may be. And so I not, not doing hours all the time, um, doing an hour just, Hey, yesterday you're doing eight minutes today. You're doing 60. Um, I could have used more preparation, honestly. And I think at one point, cause I didn't tape it even cause the person who was supposed to film it backed out, like 20 minutes before, um, I would say at the 40 minute mark, because you were there, 45 minute mark, no one was telling me how long I was going or anything like that. I
0: remember that, like, while was, you're yeah. up there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where am I? Does
1: anyone know what time it is? And it was
0: packed out and the place was going nuts, but it was, I remember, I think you called time wise and you were just like, yeah, was like, I was like,
1: where am I at time wise? Yeah. And the booker, I believe, at Caroline's just yelled, you're at 40, 45 minutes, somewhere like that. And I went, okay, I'm going to do about 10 to 15 more. Sounds That's good. So
0: you're at 40 to 45
1: minutes. And I think I also took that time to just, like, thank all of the acts that came out. Yeah. And I thanked uh, all of the audience members for coming out. And I appreciate, like, you know, all the people who like my comedy have been there for me for years. Because I had friends there as well who yeah. were very supportive. You are one of them. And... Uh, I had to like kind of recalibrate and be like, all right, I talked for 45 minutes before this. I got another 10 minutes set in me. What didn't I say? <laughs> I and remember. like listening, like if I if I listen back to that, like say yeah. I had a tape, like just I, I bet you I probably have another 25 minutes to a half hour of solid material yeah. that I just didn't do because okay. I came off stage and I was like, that was amazing. That was such a fun time. And then I was like, oh, I didn't do that joke. Oh, I didn't do that. That's bit. weird how that happens. Right. And stand-up's the only thing where you can feel so
0: good about something that you should feel good about, but then you walk off, and then five minutes later, you're sitting at the bar or whatever,
1: and you're like, damn it, I, the one thing I wanted to do, I forgot to do. It's always what it is. And I also, the, the week after my Caroline's, I, you don't always have like a new closer. You know, you have like one joke that you really like saying at the end, and you're like, that's my joke. That's my closer. This is so good. It can only be the last joke. Uh, I can't say this in the middle of my set. I can't say it at the beginning. It doesn't make sense. I came up with a new bit that I've been using as like a closer maybe the week after my show. And I was like, "Ah, god damn it. It would have been so good if I was able to use that there." Do you ever have that where you kick yourself and you're like, "I that's one joke that I wish I could say during that hour." I think I mean I've never gone an hour. I've never gone over a hat over
0: 35, but they uh I can where, where were you when you did thirty thirty five? uh i was in i've done it in I'm trying to think michigan we did i did one like a private party uh it was like whose party ouch. was it How'd it you was get just there? some rich guys that wanted comics to come down and do a show Sounds and he incredible. hired us yeah and so me and another friend uh, guido saltarelli who's in la now um did it and uh it was really fun it was a good time um At that point, I had no business doing 30 minutes, though. I mean, to be totally honest, it's like one of those things in stand-up where you're like, I could
1: say no to this, or I could just prepare and try to get as good as possible. I think the absolute best stories are the ones where stand-ups are saying, yeah, I was booked to do an hour, and I maybe had five minutes. Yeah. And so I just kind of talked. I riffed with people. I didn't have any jokes, but they liked it. They liked it. It was when, nice. When I first started, I mean, there was a huge chunk of my set list.
0: I mean, it's not like I carry a set list with me, but in you know, my phone or whatever, that was like bit, bit, crowd work, bit, bit, bit. Because I can... I, you had a crowd work little totally. I mean, you was know, on the
1: side. Just, this is
0: where you do crowd work. And the funniest part was like, I mean, it's in your phone or whatever, though, but it's, it used to be, I don't want to say a crutch because I still love doing crowd work and I can still do it. But where, I, like, where I'm from, like uh, some of the older comics there, like when I get in particular, Stu McAllister is like a kind of OG comic. You, you are
1: naming names, and I love that.
0: I know. I will. They, they've been so valuable to me when I was like, especially starting out, and I'm still new to this too. But he was like, dude, you, you know, let's hear your writing. Like your crowd work is like you can do it or you can't type thing. And, and he's, I'm not saying he's right in what he's talking about, but had it not been for him, it would have taken me longer to get good at writing. And I'll give you an example when I first got here. The things that would work in like, clubs that I have been doing, when I first got to New York and like, went to like the creek, right? Like, not, I was just bombing every night. And I was like, what? Like, this, this works, you know what I mean? Like, I knew I wasn't good enough, that's why I came here to get better. But it's amazing when you, um, you, uh, uh, you force yourself to write better and kind of take notes, like, okay, what, what do people respond to? Okay, better writing, we'll write better. And like your jokes, and like, I thought I knew everybody in comedy like in the first two months here, but then when I started meeting you guys, I'm like, I don't know shit. There's so many other different
1: groups of people. There's too many. Yeah, there's so many. Which is amazing. I think I posted this on Facebook the other day, but I also posted it on Twitter because that's what I do. I curate my Facebook just based off of what hit well on Twitter. Yep. And uh, I, I, I just said something like, I am so lucky, like beyond, beyond lucky to be able to fail so badly in front of all of the talented people in New York City. <laughs> Because everyone here is just remarkable. You have the, the best writers, you have the best uh, entertainers, the best uh, people who can do crowd work. Like th- th- There's everything here. And, th- and at the very, like, what I love, like, the lowest common denominator, is at least, at least
0: everybody's in New York trying. So even if the person is just, like generally a shitty person in terms of the way you deal with them and talk to them, at least they're here trying, so I respect them on that level. I really do. The, the best
1: comics from every scene across the U.S. and the world Come to New York to fail in front of other New York comics who are the best. If you are the best from Shrevesport, if you are the best from Grand Rapids, if you are the best from Binghamton, if you're the best from wherever you're from, you'll come here and get hit right in the face immediately and be like, I don't understand. Everyone at home liked me. Was it like that for you when you got here? No, I was great from the get go. I was was just amazing. I honestly. I, in my mind, because like what I did, I took like a good year and a half break because I was living at my parents' house outside of Philly after college graduation and I was saving up money just to move to New York and I wasn't able to get on stage that often. I was like, well, maybe I'll just make it as a writer, that sort of stuff. I'll, I'll write a bunch of scripts and when I come to New York, I'm gonna be very you know big in the, in the screenwriting community or in the sketch comedy community at UCB. And I got here, and I was like, oh, I have the opportunity to do stand-up again. Why would I not do stand-up again? Yeah. And I think that hit me, because I, I moved here in June, and I didn't do stand-up until late August, something like that. What year was that? That was 2013, okay. I would say. 2013. So originally you came here for writing. Right, because I was interning at UCB and I started doing ticket box office work at UCB and I was making a little bit more money and I wanted to get on one of the UCB writing teams and I couldn't, for one reason or another, ever make it onto a team. Okay, And so I was like, maybe people just don't know who I am. And if I'm not going to do improv at this theater and get my face recognized that way, I have to figure something else out and then they had open mics there and at that time they had three open mics a week and so i would go to those open mics and i started slow steady i was uh when i was in philadelphia that year and a half i uh, was writing a lot of setup punchline weekend update style monologue jokes okay and so i took all of the evergreen jokes and i was like these are going to be my stand-up jokes so it was like random things about like uh dogs of running for governor in Minnesota, things like that. And so I would end up saying these jokes and I, I could only get maybe three or four out per open mic because they were only two minutes each. And I was like, you know, these jokes aren't gonna land that well if I'm just kind of just saying them like I'm talking. So I was like, I'll say them slower. It'll help me with my memory because, you know, how are you going to memorize that many one liners or set up punchline jokes if you don't have like cue cards or a teleprompter in front of you? So I developed this cadence for, you know, that that reason. And it kind of did well. People were like, he's. Talking different he's not talking the same way as me or the last comic or that comic over there. It's like the rhyme and meter of, of Essentially, yeah your art and yeah. so people started paying attention to me just based off of that And I already had a weekend update credit because I was successful in becoming a freelance contributor That's the title of people that send in facts and jokes to update and, and so, so that was, what year
0: was that that you did the SNL weekend update? You contributed.
1: To I them. did a weekend update from 2012 to 2015, I believe it was three seasons and it, it was great. I, I never got a joke on air, which I always wanted that, you know, just to watch Seth Myers or Colin Jost at the, or Michael Che at the, yeah. the end there when I was writing for it. Um, say one of my jokes on the air. And I never, I never got the opportunity to get that email on a Monday from the producer just being like, hey, you got a joke on the air. Here's your payment. Thank you for submitting. You did a great job. I got several emails that were like, hey, your joke got to dress rehearsal this week. Or hey, your email got to the Friday night reading, which is like the second and third cuts, that sort of thing. So they would email you Monday about what happened previous taping on the Saturday for Saturday Night
0: Live. Okay. So what's it like now? are you now you're not in a write for people that don't know how this works
1: is it? So you're not in a writing room. You're just submitting these from your laptop wherever you're at. Correct. Right? So I would end up uh, writing five to ten jokes a week, and then I would submit, and I was like, uh, cross your fingers, maybe you'll hear them say it on Saturday night, and uh, it never came to be. But I had a really great opportunity to you know put myself out there a little bit and having that writing credit, even though my jokes weren't going on the air. Uh, still helped me get further in comedy in New York City because people would look at me and go, oh, he's getting an opportunity to have Seth Meyers read his jokes every week. Why don't we have him on our show? And that really propelled me. And that, that the best part about the Weekend Update gig that I had was that it kept me writing every single day, short jokes, quick jokes, jokes that like were under 140 characters. It yeah. was it, It's essentially Twitter, but you send it in and hope it's that Seth Meyers SNL staff. will say yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I, I, had, I had a really, really good time with it because I used all those tools that I learned, how to write quick jokes, how to write jokes fast, how to write jokes uh, for someone else or for myself. Maybe I was writing these jokes and I never had Seth Meyers' voice down immediately, but it helped me get my voice. Do you write in the voice when you're writing for those certain people that are
0: maybe, are you just like, what would I do if I were them? I try my
1: best to. I know I've submitted packets for pretty much every show that is in the SNL vein when it comes to like late night or the tonight show. And I'm like, would Jimmy Fallon say it like this? Or would Jimmy Fallon say it like that? Briefly, could you just describe for people that what exactly is a packet? A packet is a writing submission. It's just a sample of your work. And so I will get an email from a manager or an agent that reps me and say, hey, are you interested in submitting to The Tonight Show? And so I go, yeah. And they say, all right, this is what you'll need. Send me 20 monologue jokes in three days, and then I'll send it in, and we'll hope for the best. Now, when you're writing those, is it something you're like, okay,
0: this just opportunity came up. You're going to start fresh, or do you have a catalog of old ideas that you kind of punch
1: up? or is there just- I usually start fresh, and I, I kind of have to because... Obviously it's monologue jokes, they have to be topical and uh, if it's not monologue jokes, um, I will dig into, I have several different Google Docs that are just like, here are bits, here are sketch ideas, here's all that sort of stuff. So you look at what the show is offering, and then you kind of cobble together what you think would be best, and then you submit that, and you're like, all right, great. I have this one sketch from a year ago that I punched up. I have these 10 new topical monologue jokes that I wrote today or yesterday, and uh, I'm just going to send these bits in, and if they like them, they like them. If they don't, they don't, and, you know, the sun comes up tomorrow. Are they going to give...
0: Now, so they give you, like, a time frame in terms of writing about being topical, like, the certain terms. Because I think a lot of people, especially, like, one of the reasons I wanted to start a podcast, ones I've been on or, you know, even listened to, they talk about, like, A, when they first started, and then, like, Q, where they're at currently. But there's nothing in the middle in terms of, like, what are these terms they're using? You know what I mean? So you would think with, like, just the sheer amount of information out there. The middle is the most important part. I, absolutely, it's the guts of it, but for whatever reason, you know, I could be completely naive and just sound like an asshole, but for, I, I try to study this stuff and try to find this stuff. I cannot find a
1: lot of... I think a lot of it has to do with uh, secrets of the industry see, yeah. Yeah. of how'd you get this job, did you email someone, did someone email you, are you friends with someone from five years ago, did they open for you, did you meet them You know, um, at a party, do you have some blackmail on someone? How did yeah. you get this job? This is an amazing job. Why you? And I think people get offended as well. Um, closed off would be like, hey, how'd you get this job? Or, hey, how did you book this cool opportunity? Yeah. How did you get on that commercial? And I think a lot of people... Um, Take that as a, you don't deserve this. And
0: I can see that because there's definitely a a climate to ask that question in. Like, if I just, it's the same as showing up to your show and being like, hey, man, can I get some time at the end of this? Yeah, it's the exact same thing. Even though the credits are
1: all Comedy Central people or whoever. The stock answer, and it's a stock answer for a reason because it's just generalities, is, oh, I worked hard. I just like made the connections. I did stand up for years. I got an audition because, you know, I, I'm someone who's putting in the time and the effort. And I think a lot of, a lot of people in society, not even comedy, are just like, uh, give, me, give me this, give me that, I, I earn this, For I sure. earn that, I'm 30 years old, I, I should have a better job, I'm 35 years old, I should have an even better job, that kind of thing. It's like, well, if you wanna be a screenwriter, can I see your script? Do you have, like, two or more scripts? Do you, do you have the experience that's needed for the position? It's amazing how people think that, like, companies or any
0: entity would, like, trust them with the idea because they're like, wait, so just like you said, can I see your screenplay? Well, I'm working on it. Well, if you can't complete a project for yourself, why would you Why do would I hire you? Yeah, it's, it's weird that I think comedy, at least in my experience in life, which varies, but, like, it seems like this one, people ask other people to take huge risks on something with little or no evidence of what type of person they actually are. Unproven commodities. And then if you say, absolutely right, and then if you say no, you're the dick. Like, right. like this guy's Scott Wolf. this guy wouldn't uh, put me on his monthly with like some of the best comics in New York City because I asked him once. You know, that's
1: crazy. Like there, are, there are people out there who I'm sure look at me and they go, oh, he's great, let's bring him in for a general meeting. And a general meeting is essentially a production company or a network or whoever uh, brings you in, they talk with you about your ideas and they usually send you on their way. And they're like, oh, cool, we got some FaceTime with a new talent or someone we don't really know that well. And so that happens over and over and over again and eventually uh, you think, oh, is there something wrong with me? Like, is no one buying my ideas? And it's like, no, it's just they're getting to know you. And like they're not going to bring you in and be like, "Give me five ideas. We're gonna make three of them into network sitcoms. Like it's not going to work like that, yeah, for sure. And I've pitched shows, which I feel so lucky that I've been been able to do that. I've flown out to LA to sit down with people at different networks and have a production company that backs me. I've done the same thing in New York. you know, you make a trailer for, for your TV show essentially. You get to show that to people. And if no one says yes." That doesn't mean no. That just means you're growing as a comedian, as an actor, as a writer, as someone who's pitching ideas, pitching yourself. You just need to keep doing it. And eventually you'll either get your own television series, get your own movie, get a book deal, or you'll starve to death in the streets. Ah, uh-huh, streets of New York. If you got to starve to death in the streets, though, I think New York's a pretty nice place to do it. I mean, I think this is one of the places that folks would do well if they were in the streets out of all other places what do you have you you have some like nice west coast cities that do you know people yeah. who can't afford food like are still thriving in but like if you're in los angeles and you're homeless you still need a car just to get around That's to tough. see the stuff here you, at least you can like walk new york is a great place it's, it's amazing to just I, I mean it's not the best probably to sleep on the floor like outside Ooh, no. like the sidewalk yeah the sidewalks are they floors? Floors need to have a roof over them. I think you they're, know?
0: they're probably floors to certain people, like you know, one man's trash, another man's treasure type thing. Like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I would say homeless people probably have balconies, but to us, it's just like a stoop maybe
1: that they're sleeping on, right? Just it's depends. all it's just the language people choose, yeah. It's
0: like what makes them feel better about it. I feel like at least homeless people that I've met don't use
1: the word man cave, and that's why. I like them better than people that use the word man cave. Do you right? Man, man cave is uh, one of those terms that usually you either bond with a person or you say I don't want to be around Jeff anymore. No, I, don't, I don't like Jeff. Fuck Jeff. I can't. I, Jeff this is talks man talks cave of, a lot.
0: His kids barely have shoes, but he has a sweet man cave. And exactly, it's like man. Like, nah, I don't know. About Jeff has to go kill himself. That's how I feel about. Though Jeff. it
1: would be nice to have a basement, a basement with like a, a good TV and a space to just hang out. That'd be amazing. But why do we have to name it something? It's like
0: well, it's so weird that Americans it, it, own less stuff now but they name more things i guess less
1: real estate but they they have to name more parts of it what is that it's all about marketing i think yeah. life a lot of it is about marketing it sounds like i work in ad sales or not yeah. you know advertising not the sales the sales that's a whole different angle the also guy. there is music playing in the room yeah. uh, next to us i hope that the the background uh, to our podcast is like scored. What if it's perfectly like, scored with this sweet sweet indie music that the bartender here at the lovely Tender Trap in Greenpoint, Brooklyn? Again, is the fun. Tender Trap is uh, this is the this is the Tender Trap podcast. Uh, Max White presents the Tender Trap. Yeah, Max White presents the Tender Trap, and uh, Brandon Scott Wolf happens to be here. Ma- uh, Max White fun. presents the tra- the. Uh, it's so hard to say. Max White presents the Tender Trap. Ooh. Is a great name for a band That would be good I, I
0: feel like that band would probably play here Do you want to be in it? Do you play any instruments? I play no instruments I don't have any talents
1: I, I think that's why I got into comedy I yeah. just don't really have talent Have you tried to play instruments before? I've never tried, no. I've never, really? I've never picked up like a guitar and actually sat there for a half hour and figured out what the chords I've like, do. tried to play
0: like numerous times, but the second anyone else is around, I feel like I've seen that Animal, animal House scene with Belushi, mm-hmm. when he smashes the acoustic, yep. and yep. I think I'm like, I don't want to be that douchebag with a
1: guitar. Like I'll play by myself. But... I never want to be the guy at a party with a guitar. No, it's the worst. I don't even want to be the guy.
0: What is it about if you're alone at a party or you're at a party with a guitar? you suck
1: but if you're at a bar with a guitar you're, you're okay yeah, you're is it because there's a place for it i think so I, I went to a wedding recently and it was in upstate new york uh farmhouse style wedding where it's like in a barn and then afterwards there was like a hangout near a fire pit yeah and they had an acoustic guitar being passed around the circle and that was pretty fun but it wasn't like hippie, like we're going to hang out. It was like, who wants to play, you know, Jumper? Does anyone know how to play Jumper? Damn. No? See, I, All right. Mm, I don't know if I could do that. I think I, my skin would crawl. I would have it to. It was like, fun. It was good. It was everyone, good. Everyone, okay, was, yeah. everyone was drinking. There was I, fire. I try to be
0: open to those experiences, and I'm not even a cool person, but there's certain things like I can't. Do you not think you're cool?
1: No. Why, I don't, do, why not?
0: I just, I, don't, I, I just think I'm very, like I'm contrarian. You know, things that I like. A lot of things I like right now just happen to be very popular in terms of like skateboarding and stuff like that just because of the way the world works and you know fashion is cyclical. What are your three things? Uh, that I like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your things? Oh, man, that's a good one. Uh, smelling gasoline. Smelling gasoline, pro uh-huh. wrestling. No, I think uh, skateboarding for sure. Um, mm. Skateboarding else? is your pro wrestling.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's like a thing that like you kind of don't want to tell do you... people about, but then you tell people about it, and then you're like... Oh, you actually like it too? Cool. Let's talk about it. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. It's just, it's just like with skateboarding now, because it's so pop.
0: It's like the new little league now. It's almost like the people that have been doing it for a long time now are kind of guarded. And like having like owned a skate shop for years, it's really weird because you used to be able to tell if someone could skate by like looking at their shoes. You like, oh, but now you're just like, you're just wearing Vans. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like the roughed up marks that we leave on on, on um on skate shoes from the grip tape hitting the shoe. That was like, okay, look, it doesn't matter what he's wearing, but I can tell by someone's shoes, and wow, he skates. But now, like, I was actually just doing this fashion thing, and uh, there's a, a huge company that's about to release... A pre-distressed skateboard shoe but they're gonna charge like 600 bucks for it because that's like the in fashion right now
1: who is buying 600 dollars shoes fashionistas you know people from even like, I mean, you
0: have you have you have exquisite taste in
1: jackets you're dropping some money on jackets no i'm i'm barely i'm barely doing that i bought jackets that are like 20 bucks 25 dollars well then you should, you wear it well sir
0: because i thought the one that you wore for the caroline special was like high dollar never Really? No. Well, what about
1: jean jacket shopping? When's this going down? Oh, if you could find me a $25 jacket, I'll do well, it.
0: We gotta go to a Levi's store and get just a proper good I don't know
1: how much they are. Like I maybe. feel like Levi's probably cost like $100, $110.
0: It's possible. Would you, would you pay that much for a jean jacket?
1: Probably not, honestly. Yeah. I, I, would, like, I thought about it for a second. I did like a shoulder shrug. I was like, yeah. I feel like no. there's got to be cheaper ones. But then would, do you buy stuff at thrift stores? No. I rarely buy things. Really? Which is why I think I, I'm uh, surviving in New York City. That makes sense, because a lot of people come home with a lot of shit.
0: You know, it's weird, because when I moved here, like basically, like I just wanted to simplify everything. And the other day, I was at a friend's art show, and he was like, hey, I got this piece, and were, everything was for sale, but he's like, I want to give you a piece. And I was like, this is so awesome. I really appreciate it, but you should sell it. Not because I'm not grateful, it's just because I don't want to accumulate anything while I'm here. Like, I'm so... Probably the most basic. Minimalist. Absolutely. And like, you know, I I have a lot of other stuff in place, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff wherever I've lived before, and there's something like freeing. Like, I get it now. I'm old enough to wear, like, the, you know, the, I don't want anything. Like, I just want what I have. And then if, I mean, if there's something really cool, for sure, but then I kind of want to get, like, if I buy, like, a new shirt, I want to give, give give away my old shirt. To, like,
1: my, my closet is filled with T-shirts, with sweaters, hoodies, that sort of stuff yeah. that Don't even fit anymore. Yeah, and I just kind of keep them there, and I don't know if I should clear it out and donate, or should I just leave it there in case I get fat or skinny or whatever it is? Because I think I have small, medium, and large clothes. That's because the new brand Scott Wolf is Brandon Scott Svelte. I'm very fit. I think I (laughs) I think it's kind of fun to fluctuate in weight and be like, oh. Not that like gaining weight is good or losing too much weight is yeah. good, but like when you dig through a closet and you're like, oh, I remember these shirts. These shirts are great shirts. I'm gonna wear the shirts, and then you wear the shirts and you're like, I can't believe I fit into these shirts. And then you just say shirts a lot while you're on a podcast. Do you have like your shirts. skinny jeans from like back in the day? They're like one day I'll fit, but you I do. I, now, I fit yeah. back in them now. Wow. Which is I, I'm wearing pants right now that are too big for me. That's is that a good feeling? You're just, well, because like you've dropped. It's a laundry feel, day. Since, since I've known you. Yes. Laundry day and podcast day? Laundry, podcast, show. I have a show later. Yeah, Barcourt. Yes. That's awesome. I did it last time, like a few months ago. I like that show in particular because there are no expectations and you can kind of fail openly. I think failing openly is the most important part of being a comedian. Okay, elaborate on that. So if you have an idea and you're saying to yourself, this is really funny, you go to an open mic and why do you go to an open mic? In order to see if you are gonna succeed or if you're gonna fail. Okay. And when you succeed, great, you have a new 30 second bit, a new minute joke, whatever the case may be. But when you fail, you get to analyze everything. And you get to say, why, say to yourself, why didn't this work? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to make myself and my act better? It's amazing how stand-up is
0: something that like you want I worked in sales for quite some time. And it's amazing, like this uh, a mentor that I had, he used to give uh, new people that worked in, uh, like they are um, also in sales, and he would give them this big board. And it had, it was five by five. So there's 25 empty boxes, like check boxes. And for every check you put in there, you got five bucks, right? Well, each box to get one was, you just get the, like, you'd get a no, right? So basically you'd be talking to clients, trying to sell them stuff. And you get a no, you could check the box, get five bucks. So at the end of it, you can make, Good amount of money, you know, you get some cash. But uh, it was weird because he's like, you know, people are out there looking for no's. You'd be amazed how many yeses you come across if you're just actively trying. The same thing with stand up. Like, do you get nervous if you're doing really well at an open mic repeatedly? No. Really? I do because I'm like, I'm not trying new shit. I must be trying stuff that works.
1: I think I can. So, what I'm doing as of now is less, fewer. Yeah. Fewer open mics. Yep. And so when I'm at open mics, I am trying maybe one new joke. Okay. But I do the same thing for my sets. Yeah. So say if I have a 10-minute set, at the 7-minute mark, I will try out new jokes. Okay. Because I know, oh, these are jokes that will work. We'll get the audience on my side. And when I hit that 6, 7-minute mark, I can try something new to see if it works. Okay. Because an audience that doesn't care will not care no matter what. True. An audience that you have in the palm of your hand, you're gonna figure out whether something really works if they're laughing just because you're still on stage and there's goodwill built up. Okay. Or if it's really bad. Cause I've done jokes at the seven minute mark of a 10 minute set and they're just not laughing and then you just move on to the next one and you like in your head, no, that didn't work. That didn't work. Is
0: it, it Now when you're writing new material and trying new material, is it weird when you do one that isn't, it's, it's more of an outline than like a full neat joke, but you know it's going to work, and you're like, that's going to work. There's something there. And you always hear people say it on stage, but like, do you have that feeling, that confidence now if you're like, there's something there?
1: Sort of. Or do you have everything finished and then take it to stage? Usually I have everything finished and okay. then I take it to the stage because I like, and finished in a sense where there is a defined punchline or okay. there is something there that I know will get a laugh. Okay. Illicit laughter. Because you want you wanna go out there and you wanna be good. And when you fall on your face, then you're doing something very wrong. Yeah. And so when you realize you're doing something wrong, it's up to you to correct everything and say, Oh, this joke didn't work because the punchline was weak. I still like the setup. There's that kernel of truth there, a good idea. What can I do to make this better? Okay. And so like I did that the other day, I, I went. Uh, I was doing a show in Queens, and I went on stage, and at the seven minute mark, I, I straight up, I am not shying away from doing, it's not even comedy, at a certain point I just break down the walls, and I'm like, hey guys, uh, I know I'm doing a performance up here, I know these are jokes, can I try a new joke out on you? Like, I've done that, or yeah. I'll be like, hey, this next joke is one of these jokes that like I think works. And I'll just say that as, and I, I, maybe that is kind of like I've a, seen it work for you though, because there's no right way to do this,
0: and I've seen it because it goes with your cadence and everything. I think like you more than anyone I know in the city. And that's probably why like I, with like am into your comedy is because you, you build this like really interesting rapport with the crowd. It seems like it's like Team Brandon Scott Wolf at the end of it. Even when you like take chances and stuff, they're just like that's my guy.
1: Sure. I mean, sometimes uh, there are people that are really on board with what I'm doing and there are audiences that are not. And I I think that not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. So if you have a new joke and you're, you know, I'm saying this to myself at the seven minute mark, you're going to try it on one crowd and they're not feeling it. Try it two or three more times. But if it hasn't worked three times, that's not a good joke. Yeah. Really fix it. You're going to move on or do you shelf it? I shelf a lot of stuff. And I, then just I have to be used for it, never or. So at this point uh, over the last three and a half years, I have maybe 50, 40, 50 pages of jokes that I know have worked. Okay. And then I have about 75 to a hundred pages of jokes that are untested or I've tried them out once and they didn't work and I need to revise them. Okay. And so I'm just building on to these two documents and it's interesting pulling stuff from like a year ago and being like maybe this didn't work once but I can finagle it into something different because I'm also evolving that's, confidence-wise.
0: That's how if there's a lot of things that like maybe I can't tackle right now because I don't have the, the trade craft and the skill to do right now but I'm like you know, give me in a month and 120, 150 shows. I'll be, able to, I'll be good enough to talk about that. That's interesting though because style-wise because you have everything like
1: essentially in one database where you can kind of go back and hit and I don't I don't make set lists anymore, which yeah. when I was doing my hour at Caroline's, I read all of my jokes out loud to myself okay. maybe a week prior, and I recorded 45 minutes to an hour just of me reading, and it was so boring listening back to the audio, because I'm not doing it with any inflection, I mean, my voice yeah. is pretty monotone to begin with, but like... Uh, I was like, there's no laughs here. There's no, there's no, there's no feedback from anyone. So maybe this could be like an hour and a half. I'm not exactly sure what the joke to laughter ratio is for this. And, uh, I knew that these are my jokes. Some of them are in five minute chunks. Some of them are in 10 minute chunks. And I was like, there's no real order. There's nothing like that. So when I did the Caroline show, the reason why at the 40, 45 minute mark, um, hit was because I was like I, I don't time myself. Like, yeah. No one's telling me this is 20 minutes and like I'm not on the road enough. I'm not hitting up all of the uh, clubs on the the West Coast, you know, doing like the Irvine Improv yeah, or the yeah, Comedy flappers. Store or Flappers, whatever, whatever uh, it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing that yet, and I don't know if I ever will, but like, that's when you get a good hour, and you're like, this is my hour. Every joke kills, I know the order of it, I have them memorized, that sort of stuff. And for, for my purposes, what I do and what I like doing is just five minutes here and there, you know? And just being like, cool, that 10 minutes works, that five minutes there, that works. Is it, are you, do you subscribe to like the laugh per minute? kind of theory of uh cut out the fat it just needs to be like bam 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 constantly i I think at at the core of myself i i just know comedy is about being in control of a room and as long as i have control of the room that is that is what i aim for does that make sense? It does make sense, absolutely. Like I don't care if the people are laughing. Are they interested in what I'm doing? And then are they laughing?
0: That's an interesting way to look at it because if you do places here in town, which I can think of a lot of, especially even the open mic scene, and the people are, you know, there's comics. Everybody here is busy, which I like. It, just because someone's not paying attention, he doesn't mean they don't like you. Like I used to get bummed out and see someone on their cell phone in the crowd, but you know, I think I, I heard Bill Burr say this, but he was just like not personally like on a podcast, but he was just uh, he's like people have shit to do. And then I was thinking about that even further. I'm like, man, if I can just get that person's eyes up to me, maybe just listen for a second, that should be my new goal. Never mind making laugh. And that's what, when people go to places like the creek there, that like have, I love that place, you know what I mean? But when I first got here, I would just eat bags and bags and bags and bags of dicks, which I'm, people, I still do to this day, until I figured it out. So when I c- come from out of town that I meet and I go to the creek or whatever, though, I'm just like, manage your
1: expectations, you know what I mean? Like, eat. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Right? I think that the comic to comic... Thing. I think that the nicest thing f- when you're on stage and you notice and you're in a small room is when all the other comedians stop what they're doing and they pay attention to your set. That's the best feeling. And that is mind-blowingly mind nice. Yeah, absolutely. It is such an honor to and this is the like if someone stops and pays attention to me when they're thinking about their set or um they they could be gone from the club already and like having their own saturday night with their friends or their family or whoever and they're saying i'm sticking around to see what brandon has to say or how he's going to talk with the the crowd this time or interact with people this time uh it's great it's it's so great that's weird because you even see at like the highest levels i've seen it
0: like the you know the biggest club here in terms of not the biggest club, but the you know the biggest name clubs. And you'll see certain comics where the biggest celebrities, not just in comedy, but like on Earth, will be like, "Okay, this guy's on stage. We're gonna go downstairs and watch him." And then that even exists too. Like you just said, levels further down. You know, what mm-hmm, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. people want to see interesting comedy, even though we watch comedy every day. There's certain people that are like, "Well, I want to see what they have to
1: say." I think there are comedians, and then there are people who want to be comedians, and. There are people at this, the, this level um, where it's open mics and book shows in New York and indie rooms and then there are uh, the, the clubs in New York and no matter what tier you put each club on, whatever it is, there are people that are working professionally on a nightly basis and um, you, you know who the standouts are. Definitely. It's weird how... And I say, I mean, there are comedians who want to be comedians who are at open mics or comedians who want to be comedians who aren't getting paid yet full time. But like, it's important to pay attention to the people that are doing it and are doing it at a high level.
0: Yeah, it's weird because I know like being new myself, it's interesting when people say like, I've been doing comedy for 12 years, but then like their year is maybe, maybe one show a week, maybe one show a month I've met. Maybe someone took two years off, but they're still counting that as time. Do years matter? I mean, I don't know. I'm new again, too. But all I know is this, my year, in terms of show amount, does not look like a lot of people's other years. Like, i doing a high volume. Does that make me better? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying pe- there's some people that do comedy, and then there's people that, like, you know, are comedians. You know, I think that there's, like, hobbyists, like anything. There's hobbyists, and then there's the, the people. I don't know which one I am at this point. Right. But, I mean, you know, yeah. you
1: don't have to know. Exactly. I, th- I think an important – this is very uh, weird uh, I, I and I think I'm formulating this maybe right now, but I think once other people put the label comedian on you is when you're a comedian. Then that's what it is. It's, I think so. It's like a nickname. You don't make up your own nickname, you know, and you, you do wrestlers. You're not, do, do I pro, mean, I feel like pro wrestlers do. I think a lot of them do. And I think at a certain point they get signed to a bigger federation yeah. and then they are told you're this now. Yeah. And so they have to become that and like that's the thing about stand-up you can get paid to do stand-up and not be a good comedian that's yeah but you're still a professional and you're still a comedian
0: yeah like the by by definition and by being and te- comedy is objective totally that, that's so, interesting how you can is it i i know people that have said this and especially where i'm from i've heard people say oh, i've been paid now yeah, i guess i'm a real comic now But there's people here that have only done shows for drink tickets that are killers, that would destroy anywhere.
1: It's not a typical life. It's not a typical career path. It's something that people do because they're passionate about it. Some people do it just to get seen by casting directors. Some people do it as a way to become a writer. I started because I wanted to write for UCB. That's not even professional rank. That's like highest-level college comedy. Yeah. And... I'm saying that in a very genuine sweet nice way because I do like the UCB I think they're they're uh, they're doing a really great um, uh, thing they they're 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 shaping the future of comedy what you know they have a school they, they have stages for people to get on all the time and I think that um, I think that people go to UCB and they're like, oh, I'm going to become a star or whatever it is. And they're going to put me on an NBC sitcom immediately. And some people do go through that system and they do become stars. Some people go through that system and they go, I'm going to just do improv and it's going to be a hobby. And so it's the same with open mics. Open mic is a more loose UCB. It just gives you an opportunity to meet friends, like-minded people and decide whether or not you want to work with someone and whether or not. We're gonna to work together and make something that we can sell professionally, whether it's a script or ourselves. It's interesting how places
0: like that are meeting and like breeding grounds for it. It's almost like a, if you're willing to get up there and do it at this certain place, let's kind of take you off campus. And like you see people in other capacities at different shows and you're like, okay, is it the act the same or is it different? Are they a nice person to even be around? That's a huge thing here in New York mm-hmm, too. Because mm-hmm. you can be the best comic ever or best whatever. I mean, that goes with any profession. Uh, but if you're a dick, I mean, it's going to be,
1: I think a lot tougher for it, for sure. The, for I sure. feel like the people that are the most successful are generally kind. Yeah. And they're people that will go out of their way to help newcomers out. If, folks, who are, folks who are coming to New York and they say, I don't know the lay of the land. Can you give me some tips on going to the right open mic? Yeah. Or um, the people that are hosting shows and they go, hey, I can't put you on tonight because we're packed up. But like. Hang out after the show. Let's grab a beer. Let me get to know you as like a person. That's what's so cool at the UCB
0: Mike see You and Paul host is because you guys
1: always say that. You're like, come stay, come have beers and drinks. And I've seen you guys talk to everybody afterwards, which is really. And nice. that's not like a corporate shill kind of thing. No, at no, all. that at is all. a yeah. straight up hang out Yeah, that's it. I, I think that was it. Woody Allen once said, "90 percent of it is just being there I, or just showing up." Yeah, that makes sense. I
0: can definitely see it. I would definitely subscribe to that because even if I'm not performing, I like being around comedy. And even if I'm like taking the night off from doing shows, which is, you See, so you're very good about that. You will still seek out comedy even if you're not a part of it. Yeah, I like to watch and see different stuff. And even if I'm, if I'm watching someone set that I don't necessarily care for, I'm like, oh, I'm not really into it. I try to challenge myself to find one thing maybe positive because so many people are like tearing people down,
1: you know what I mean? Especially there's no point. And I mean, I'm one of those people out there who like, isn't across the board. Nice. I'm sure you're a dick. I am a horrible human being and (laughs) I I enjoy watching people fail. Absolutely. Uh, but that's only because I think they're going to learn from it. Uh, at the end of the day though, you should be nice, be nice to people. There's, there's no reason why you should be outright mean. If you're scared that someone's going to take your spot or your job and that's why you're lashing out, that's one thing and that, that mindset is not the best.
0: That's so interesting that people, they, they, I, I truly believe this, like that everybody can do their version of success no problem because like, when people are like, oh, so-and-so got that, I should have gotten that, they could have already
1: been moving on to the next thing and doing it. Yeah, know, there's no I should have gotten that. There's that's a, crazy. Maybe I'll get something similar in the future or I'll get that in the future if I work harder or if I hang out after shows and, you know, spend spend my time wisely. And it's interesting
0: with, like, the this the, the terminology, like, that he got that. It's like, I would, I just kind of subscribe to the theory, like, I'd rather instead of get something, like, make something, you know, like, I want to make, like, I want to make that, like, do, make it undeniable, basically, where, you know, do your own thing, come out that way versus everyone sitting around kind of waiting for... Like the Depression. Remember those videos? Or that's videos. Remember those HD videos of the Depression? Oh, the Dust Bowl videos. Yeah, the Dust Bowl videos. Yeah. Like, you know, people waiting Where around on for, VHS? The, for the four jobs. I think it was Betamax. Oh, was Betamax That's or, why you don't see them that often
1: oh, anymore, yeah. Don't have a good Betamax player. No players. Man, I need to buy some Betamax players at the thrift store next that's time. That's what you should have done, yeah. Instead of buying this podcast equipment, you should have bought some Betamax players. And, like, with the money you saved, you could have bought some, I don't know, Playboys, maybe a Maxim. What if that's uh stage
0: two of this plan? You think you're this is just a speaking part. Then we have to watch beta to max and look at playboys from 89
1: i'm just trying to get people to jerk off in your bathroom that's that's what this whole entire podcast is uh it's just max that the, white presents jerking off in my bathroom is that the mission statement for this podcast just go jerk off in your bathroom i think the mission statement for all podcasts is jerking off in a bathroom and it's great. I have my own jerk off podcast. It's a it's a great podcast where I, you know, talk about jerking off. That'd be amazing. I want to I want to be a guest on that. And is a prerequisite? No, you don't want to be a guest on. It's a horrible podcast. Nobody, to be around. It's just a, I want
0: to be on that. Oh it's, boy. You, oh, oh, boy. Oh, you're you're oh, the no. one cleaning the bathroom. It's not my responsibility. Okay. In, uh, as we're wrapping up here, because your time is precious, and we got what time's your show tonight?
1: Nine o'clock. Oh,
0: cool. Um, in, okay. If you had to, I'm going to ask every comic I talk to on this. New comic. What's your advice for a new comic?
1: Go do comedy. Don't be a dick.
0: <laughs> I'm saying, uh, stage Go time do as comedy. How you get better? Uh, fail. Fail. Okay. Fail.
1: Don't be afraid to fail. Embrace failure. Be a failure and be kind to everyone. Go out there and do do yourself a, a favor and you know shake hands and say hi. I'm this person. I like your work. If you like their work and just say, let's, let's be friends.
0: And then question two, uh, what stage do you make a comedian Facebook fan page? Oh, day I made four?
1: one, uh, I made one day four day and then I recently disabled it. Did you really? Yeah, I did, actually. I bet you
0: normally Facebook, when you delete a Facebook page, it gives you 14 days to think about it. But I feel like the comedian Facebook page,
1: you're like, you don't need to think about no, it. Just no. Just get rid of it. Did you have a comedian Facebook page? I did. I did. I. Uh, How was that? I, it, it was fine. I never updated it. I forgot that I had it. Oh, and wow. then uh, someone messaged me recently and they were like, oh, by the way, this event was created by a fan page. And I was like, oh, it was? I, I, that shouldn't be. So I just disabled it. Wow. What was your, uh, was it like old headshots? Like the. Yeah. Yeah, it was an chin old on it was, his, yes. It was an older chin on hand headshot. It was very embarrassing, and uh, I, I didn't know I had it for for the longest. I feel like a lot of
0: people, if you just toss your name in like the title comedian, right? You better be really fucking good. It'd be like it'd be like, are you a comedian? I don't know yet.
1: You're a comedian. I, I think you're a
0: comedian. Oh, thanks. I don't. I, I feel like I don't. I. I, I, is it weird that I'm more comfortable saying the word comic? That's stupid? No. If you're a comic, you're a comic. It's like Diet Coke. I feel like comic's like an easier way in. It's Diet like Coke's Coke. still a soda. It's like the Adderall of uh, mm-hmm. compared to cocaine of just saying, I'm a comic. You know, Are you sort. a soda? Yeah, I'm Diet Coke. I'm Diet Coke as fuck is basically what I'm saying. I'm just Diet Coke, Crystal
1: Pepsi, whatever you want to call it. Is it... It's very difficult to put yourself on a pedestal and be yeah. like, I am this thing. But then... At a certain point you have to realize, oh, I am this thing. This is what what I would be if I was at like a, a job fair or something yeah. and I had a booth and they were like, What do you do? And I'm like, I'm a comic, I'm a comedian. Yeah. Do you want to be a comedian? Sign up here. Is there and then charged a couple thousand dollars for it's the Exactly Scott Scott what Wolf I classes. try to do. Yeah. Comedy oh, class. my God. Brandon Scott Wolf comedy classes coming to you, fall two thousand seventeen. Next website, taught by Brandon Scott Taught by, yeah, taught by. Two words, you like Instead the, of one. You're
0: like the Leo. Uh, what's the Lee Strasberg? You can do like the method acting, but for just... cry naked in a corner and then it's perfect. Get in
1: front of people and be like, "This is me. This you're is just, my art."
0: What's keying better? Networking.
1: Network. 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 Honestly, don't ever go on stage. Just talk to people. Say you're a comedian, yeah. and then eventually you'll be in. Carnegie Hall. You'll get
0: figure, selling
1: it out. How how like how much do you think off bullshit
0: alone could you get on, on a show in New York? If you if no one ever saw your comedy and you just talked and you are a generally nice guy,
1: if you said I'm a comedian from another city that yeah. has a comedy scene, yeah, you can get on a lot of good shows in New York. But
0: isn't it amazing? That the second you take stage, people are going to know if there's like any truth
1: behind that. Oh, yeah, it'd be terrible. It's a, it's a horrible thing to do. Don't do
0: that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's it's wild because there's not like, I think of like Harley riders a lot uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like you can go buy the vest, you can buy the jeans, the boots, the cool bike. You can look the part, but can you back it exactly. up? Exactly. And so like, you can even like ride the motorcycle, you know, and people won't really know, but there's few things. And like skateboarding is one of those where you can dress the part, but people are going to know you're full of shit instantly when you throw a board down. Same thing with the comedy. It's yeah, like, I can't skate. Well, I would get hurt very quick. I can't watch pro wrestling, so we're we're even there.
1: Well, I can't pro wrestle. Well, have you tried? Did you do backyard wrestling? Never. That's really... You're just just like
0: a voyeur for the wrestling scene.
1: I like professional football. I don't pro football.
0: Is there... Okay, before we leave, is there anything that you'd rather be doing right now in your
1: life? Going to the bathroom. I've had to go to the bathroom for the last 30 minutes, but I don't know bad. how this podcast was going to end. So one I was like, I got go. to go. I need to go. That's awesome. That's the first one I held someone hostage. Um, no, I'm having a really good time I'm talking d- with you. I honestly didn't want the conversation to end. I did get, I, like, oh, I, I, we had some deli coffee ready for you. We had some water. Yeah, so I drank nice. a lot of liquid. And uh, now yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, this tender trap better not be this indie of a space. It better have a bathroom. I think is there a bathroom in the tender There's trap? There's a
0: couple but when you see the signs for which is the men and the women's you're going to laugh because you won't know which one it is and the important thing is you can use either because it's a punk bar and they don't discriminate. Long before other people did you can use whatever you want here. I'm mean, You would not be the first one to piss on the floor here either.
1: Probably not. Know. That's that great smell. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. It's a good smell here. Alright, real quick before the uh, upcoming projects anything like that plug them, plug away sir.
1: If this is going to be released this week it I'm is. at Caroline's on Tuesday October 4th 7pm as a part of Comedy Central's Comics to Watch Showcase. And I also have a Twitter account at Brandon E.S. Wolf. That's Brandon S. Wolf because Brandon Scott Wolf was unavailable. Son of a bitch. Also, if you search Brandon Scott Wolf, I show up.
0: That's so good. That's good. I compete against a toothpaste. Max White is a toothpaste. Oof, crap. sucks. Not that I'm worth finding, but it's not good ones and then also what about um, what about the
1: the empty plates talk I have empty plates of NY that's empty plates of New York on Instagram I take pictures of empty plates and then have them talk because I'm mentally stable
0: and it was recently written up by NPR uh, NPR the AV Club all shit. over the internet good stuff it's amazing how you found the per- well we found the perfect thing where they just did not only uh, um allow mental instability they encourage it and you make money off of it
1: yes and that's why i know i'm a professional because someone at npr said this comedian made plates talk and mm-hmm. i said comedian it's okay like,
0: oh, they got it good though uh, anything else you want to talk about
1: yeah uh just follow my mom on uh, twitter as well at goulash yum that's she, g-o-u-l-a-s-h-y-u-m she's a saint and she well i don't know is She still is she still
0: team followback? She tries her best. I know cuz she followed me back and thanks Brandon's mom. I appreciate that. Uh, one more time on Twitter I interrupted it. I want G O U L A S H Y U M. Also awesome. make sure to follow her
1: and Brandon. So we will see Caroline's. week, and then we're going to do a show tonight. Am yes. I doing your show tonight? Yes. Barcord, 9 yes. p.m., the last Monday of every month. If you live in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn or Kensington, Brooklyn, it is your neighborhood bar. It's a show called The Our Neighborhood Show. Oh, man, because it's your neighborhood. It's where you live. It's our neighborhood, yeah. yeah. I'm part of it. Well, thank you so much for
0: coming out today. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you coming out. Uh, thanks to Tender Trap for having us for this one long infomercial. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody.
1: Max
0: White (laughs) everywhere! See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work.